Welcome to Archie Digest, a Riverdale podcast. This is a podcast about a story about a town, and now it's a town without a mayor. So, I'm sure they're going to take care of that pretty quickly. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, before we get started, I'm Russ Burlingame. I'm Chris Hainer. I mean, I'm Craig Byrne. Yeah, and Chris Hainer is unavailable tonight to, to be with us, unfortunately, and he will probably we'll probably do like a, a an episode twenty six a or something where where we have him record his thoughts in like he's done once or twice in the past because uh, I'm traveling for the next few days and unable to edit and post this post the uh, the episode after Chris could have been here. So we do miss you, Chris. He never listens to the show, although he does l- listen to the show when he's not on it, so he can yell at us for what we did wrong. Yeah, like stepping on each other at the start of the episode. Or failing to introduce ourselves, which we did for like 20 minutes last time he wasn't here. Yeah, well, there we go. We remember this time, Chris. So today we're talking about Chapter 26, The Telltale Heart. Uh, It was directed by Julie Pleck, who uh, a lot of CW fans would know from the Vampire Diaries and the originals and Containment, which was a great show that was canceled way too soon. Yeah, and and... Fleck obviously did a really great job of bringing kind of a a mood and a sense of suspense to this episode. I think that this one had a lot less plot than last week, just in terms of the, the number of things that happened. But it still managed to feel kind of anxious the whole time. There was never a time that it felt like the show was resting. Well, it's just so weird because, like, I mean, the Cooper family particularly, I mean, we saw the end of last week's show, and then they cut right into it, and it's like, Alice is just ready to, like, cover up a murder, and the next day she's having cereal at the breakfast table as if it's no big deal. Um, Yeah. It kind of makes you wonder if Alice has done this before. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I would kind of love it if, after all of the kind of holier-than-thou stuff that she's thrown at FP over the first season and a half, it eventually turned out that the real reason she's out of the Serpents isn't because she left, but because they booted her out for uh, being too anarchic a force or some crazy thing like that. Or uh, for getting pregnant with FP's kid. That, that too. Uh, I will say that I kind of love the fact that her childhood hiding spot where she used to go to be alone is where she hides a corpse. That feels just kind of perfectly Riverdale to me. What I found to be perfectly Riverdale about this whole episode, and we were talking about it after the screening, is um, usually it's Archie who's the really dumb character, and yes, he was dumb this week, but Betty made a lot of big mistakes this week. I mean, for starters, the whole bit where she's like, oh, I turned the GPS off on the phone. Well, guess what? They can still track your call if you're making calls from the phone. Yeah. Secondly, I mean, which of us have never like Googled a phone number that we see in the phone? Like, I wonder who that is. Dot 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 dot. Oh, yeah. this person has a Facebook page. Like, why does she have to call these people anyway? She's supposed to be a reporter in her own way. 
She should yeah, know how I don't, to find stuff. She made so many poor decisions, and I can't imagine that there's any... Like, this whole episode was centered around the idea that, okay, well, this is done now. And there's just no way it's done now. Like, well, and she got fingerprints all over the guy. Yeah, I mean, the, that shouldn't be... I, I imagine that by now, even like... Even if they sh- they find him within, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of days, the fingerprints are going to be gone because of the lie. Right. But, but, but also, yeah, like... like- the Go thing on. with the car, the thing with the phone, the thing with like they wrapped him up in their own living room. Rug? Yeah, like I was like, they... "Won't they recognize the rug?" I mean, Hal would recognize it. Exactly, Hal would recognize it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, hasn't hasn't Sierra been there before? I feel like Mayor McCoy was at one of the super awkward dinners last year. Maybe that was at the Pembroke. Um, yeah, I don't remember anymore. But either way, a lot of people would recognize it. And the fact that their house smells like a hospital, mm-hmm. it just, and it's also kind of weird. I mean, yeah, I mean, Chick looked rattled, but at the same time, he seemed kind of unaffected by the fact that his mother just killed somebody in front of him. Yeah, I mean, they didn't ever totally answer whether she or Chick had done the actual killing. True. I also here's here's my thing. There has to be a reason why they took they went so far out of their way to not name this character. Like they had the throwaway line from Alice, like what kind of person doesn't carry a wallet? But then even when uh, when Betty was you know exchanging phone calls with people, the guy's girlfriend slash wife calls and doesn't refer to him by name. And it, to me, it just all felt like they're hiding something. Like well, also, this guy. Like, why didn't somebody. they look up the license plate number? Well, it, well, that's the other thing though. They, they had kind of, they didn't really seem interested in learning who he was. Like even with Betty, she didn't seem to really want to know who he was. She just wanted to know whether or not people were looking for him, uh, like whether he was missed, you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I misread that, but it's it's a weird. And I get to like there is a sense of honesty to the idea that both the the Coopers and then later Jughead uh, find themselves like destroying evidence because they feel backed into a corner, and it's like I have to make this decision right now. Like I have to choose between calling the cops on, you know, Alice and lying to this, you know, traffic officer right now. I also found it to be very, I mean, I guess interesting that, you know, Betty was very much like, okay, mom and chick, you're weird. But then when Mm -hmm. Hal came over the house, she was almost defending chick. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of moving parts to that. I think part of it is just the fact that Hal has done such a good job of isolating himself from the the rest of the family. I think they maybe didn't do as good a job as the script wanted them to of communicating Hal as like a physical threat to Chick because the my reading of what they were saying was that Chick was genuinely scared of violence from Hal and Betty 
was, if not worried that he would be violent, at least understanding of Chick's concern about violence. And to me, that didn't really play in the performance that we got out of uh, either of the men in the scene. Like, yeah, I, I felt I felt like Hal was supposed to be more unhinged, and or Chick was supposed to be more obviously like scared. Um, and and I guess Hart Denton did a pretty good job of playing scared, but but then again, I he, sometimes wonder how much he's faking it. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it was really on. Um, and of course, now I'm blanking on the actor who plays Hal's name, Lachlan Monroe. Thank you. Yeah, I think it was on Lachlan to sell that whole scene. And I don't know if like if they didn't communicate to him what they wanted or if he just didn't quite get it or if I'm overthinking the scene. Well, I think it could also be construed as Chick making just the impression that any bigger man is a threat to him. That's it's fair. not necessarily I mean, a hell thing. Like he's just afraid of anybody showing aggression towards yeah. him. But I, I think that I, I get the impression that Betty standing with Chick against Hal is partly because of how Hal has been in the last year or so. Uh, and partly, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so to me, it, it's it, like that part didn't throw me so much. Well, here's something um, else that just crossed my mind. Uh, I guess the Hal thing reminded me of it. What is it with the men of Riverdale wanting to have sex with a woman who's probably burned on more than half of her body? That's a fair question. And I actually, it's funny because we had kind of talked a long time ago about the fact that uh, she didn't seem to be as burned as that initial couple of episodes would have suggested. Right. I mean, her arm, obviously, because she's wearing that glove. And that's what I was going to say. This episode, I noticed the glove a lot. And it's possible she's been wearing it the whole time, but that she has the been. blocking or the wardrobe or whatever, it just never like occurred to me in the same way. But it's, it is it is interesting that you bring that up because, yeah, the, the, the glove seemed a lot more obvious to me this, this episode, and I was thinking more about that. And I also appreciated that Cheryl actually seemed to show a caring side a little bit. I mean, yes, she wants to create chaos, but I think she did care about what whatever's up with Betty, and mm-hmm. I appreciate. Yeah, and that. I, I, I really liked that both because of what it does for Cheryl as a character, but also because of uh, the parallel to what Veronica did. Which I mean, I read, and maybe again, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I really read Veronica doing this for Josie, you know, cause the reason yes, they had not I gone, did. because the reason they had not gone forward before when they learned about the affair was because they at the time thought about what it was going to do to Josie. And so to me, when she betrayed her parents to essentially save Josie's mom, uh, it, it very much struck me as, Cheryl and Cheryl doing for Betty kind of the same thing. Mean that, Veronica. Oh, Cheryl. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Cheryl, Cheryl, Betty, yeah. Veronica, Josie. Um, that, that that was like a parallel. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I I really liked that. Um, I'm I'm curious to see who the next mayor is going to be. I kind of assume because I mean I don't I don't I I wouldn't think that Hiram and Hermione would leave something like that to chance, and so I'm assuming that. 
there's either a number two somewhere in the city charter who they already control. Or, or they're going to uh, give Fred Andrews something to do. Yeah, it, the, like I imagine that whoever takes over is going to be even more under their thumb slash maybe part of their operation. Actually, here's a question. Mm-hmm. What if the mayoral race is a north side, south side thing and FP is one of the candidates? Mm, that could be really interesting. I, I don't know if that's where they're going to go, but um, Roberto I did kinda... say at the Q&A yesterday that we will be seeing attorney Sierra McCoy as early as next week. Nice. So she is yeah, not I'm glad. on the show. Yeah, I, I, I knew she wasn't off the show, but because of the fact that this is such a big cast and characters tend to disappear for weeks at a time, I'm kind of glad that they didn't have this big kind of Sierra-centric episode and then immediately shuttle her off for six weeks. Uh, yeah. Uh, although it's not next week. Or uh, next episode, because we have a couple weeks I off. It's February 28th. Um, yes, I think we have it is. Um, damn you, Olympics! Uh, but you know, I'm I'm happy for the break. I've got way too I, much I, to I, catch up with. So, and at least we're gonna have I, new episodes of Legends of Tomorrow the next two weeks. And Black so. Lightning in the first of those two weeks. So it is. It is and, like there's there's not a full break. And as and far as I know, Black Lightning. Lightning is, oh, sorry. I was gonna. I was just gonna say. As far as I know, Legends is not gonna have another week off before it ends. I believe that it, now it marathons straight through till Supergirl comes back in April. Well, yeah, that's true. But also, like Black Lightning, next week's episode has a longer title than any titles of Riverdale ever. I don't know <laughs> if you got that email today. It's yeah, like fifteen have- words. I'm like. Well, because it was already kind of a long title, and now that the now that Greenlight, the the street drug, the jingle jangle, if you will, of the Black Lightning universe, has made its first on screen appearance, they added like the book of Green Greenlight, uh, which is kind of a naming convention that they started with the first non pilot episode, where it was the book of Luanda, or Luanda yeah. the book of uh, hope, and then Luanda the book of mourning, and then this one was Burial. just called Black. Burial. Or burial, yeah, thank you. Which was a one. highly spoilery title for an episode, but it it was and it wasn't. I rem- when I wrote up the synopses, I remember thinking like, "This is super spoilery," but in context, it could have been that her daughter, who had been kidnapped by the hundred, oh, good point, uh, had had died, and that Lawanda was still going to be the the point of view character and not the funeral. Well, but now anyway. our now our listeners are spoiled on Black Lightning. Sorry That's about true. that. Um, I will say, speaking of titles, when I was writing up my article about tonight's episode, I was like, another appropriate title for this episode would have been The Tattletale Heart, because mm-hmm. everybody is telling on everybody and snitching. It's like you had Veronica to Mayor McCoy, you had Cheryl to Betty, you had Archie to Hiram. Yeah. You know, you had all these people. Yeah, and there's a lot of... And, and the only person who isn't snitching in the last four weeks is Archie to the FBI, uh, which is good because at the end of the day, as we have been saying for four weeks or whatever it is now, agent fake name is not actually with the FBI. Um, do you want to get into that now or do you want to, to wait till the, toward, toward go, the end of the Go for it. Uh, a lot of you might remember about halfway through last season, we started entertaining this idea that Hiram was not the brains behind the operation 
and that uh, Hermione Lodge was going to be secretly uh, somewhere off twirling her mustache and talking about how there's always money in the banana stand. And huh. that that indeed does seem to be the, the case here, that uh, Hermione, if, if they refer to her as the boss, and I think that we're now going to m- maneuver this into a situation where Hiram is subordinate to her because I think that's the, that's the twist. That's the intended twist. Uh, I think that everything we've seen so far doesn't really support that. And that, that I think sooner or later they'll revert back to a more traditional partnership. But in any event, the idea of Hermione being like this really good woman who just wanted to be a good mom and like, poor thing her like convict husband just puts her in these terrible positions blah 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 is just totally not supported by reality in any way and uh again this is something we kind of talked about last year uh if you'll remember my very first thought after the finale was i wonder if it was hermione who had fred shot and when i asked marisol nichols who plays hermione about that she gave me a long drawn out pause and then Something along the lines of, yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, so this is a thing that, that has been discussed on the show before. It's not exactly... Like, it's, it's a big moment, especially in the way that it changes the direction, like the, tra- the trajectory of the narrative. But it doesn't... It, it's not shocking, per se, because it's something that we've been speculating about for over a year now. Yeah, but well, I mean, we there have... were a lot of scenes that kind of hinted at it in season one, but they were all cut. Like on yes. the DVD set, you see a lot more of, "Hey, maybe Hermione's kind of shady." Yeah, exactly. Maybe she's uh, and when, way. And when I talked to uh, when I talked to Marisol right after the finale last year, uh, she had we talked about some of those deleted scenes a little bit and she said that she was glad they'd been deleted because in her head, she still was a good person who wanted the best for her, for daughter and who was kind of cowed into submission by this force of nature that was Hiram. I still think she wants what's best for her daughter. She's just very sneaky and devious is how she does it. Like she wants her family to have all this money by building Sodale so that, you know, Veronica will never want for anything in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see how that relationship evolves because I think that it's pretty obvious that even while they are presenting themselves as telling her everything, they clearly have not told Veronica that her mom is the brains of the operation. Because right. the way Veronica talks about her dad to Archie, uh, she clearly still thinks that the crimes are all in her dad's court. Here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Does Hiram know about Agent Fake Name? I think he found out about Agent Fake Name when Archie came to him. Okay. My, but, my, I don't think he was about, like, Did Hermione yes. set up this whole thing without telling him? I think she did, yeah. Okay. I, I think that I, uh, the way that Mark Consuelos played that scene, it felt like it was the first time I'd had any doubt that Hiram was the one who sent uh, Agent Fake Name after him. Like, 
we had talked briefly about the possibility that like a rival crime family could have been involved or whatever. But really it was always, this is obviously the lodges and the way Consuelos played that scene was the first time I had a real doubt that it was the lodges. Even still, it was clear, like if for no other reason than because I don't think I'll, I'll go one better. I know we never heard the name Arthur Adams on screen, on screen. Uh, Which is good because he's got to draw covers for X Men Blue. Exactly, exactly, and that's why I, I'm like, yeah, th- th- this dude has drawn like Gen thirteen and Fantastic Four and and uh, he Angel and Superman back in the day. Yeah, Angel and the Ape. Like I, I would have remembered the the fact that the the FBI agent was named after a comic book artist. I feel like so, they said Arthur Adams this week though. Oh, did they? I think so. Well, no, no. I mean, Hiram said it numerous times. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I was struck. Like that's why I was struck by it because he seemed genuinely surprised. But then he was the one who gave Archie the name Arthur, and okay. so I was like, "Oh, so he definitely knows this dude." So even though he's playing dumb, he's either playing dumb or he knows who sent this guy. My guess is he know he learned of Adams's involvement. At the same time, Archie, like, told him. But this is a guy they've used before. This is a guy they trust. And so he knew as soon as he heard the name that it was Hermione. The other scene that I would like to see that I know they did not film Mm -hmm. is I'd like to see Archie trying to explain to his dad why he doesn't need to worry anymore. Oh, I know. I was thinking that. Like, (laughs) Poor Fred. (laughs) And it's funny because like the the agent fake name story went from zero to crazy real quick, especially like when he hands Archie the envelope of what looked like about ten thousand dollars in hundred dollar bills, right? Uh, and was just like, "Well, we pay our informants." I was like, "Okay, how dumb does Archie have to be to think that this guy's still an FBI agent in any way, shape, or form?" Like, some informants get paid; most don't. The ones that do certainly don't get paid with wads of unmarked cash. And also, like, how will Archie explain to his dad, oh yeah, I ran into $10,000. Exactly. And like, what is are, they like, do, are they going to get doing, back to the lot? <laughs> like, where did he get this money? Is he doing webcam shows or something? Uh, yeah, so that was a weird... Like, and and that's, the, that's the other thing, is like he pocketed it instead of trying to turn... Like, that was a problem that could have easily been solved by having Archie hand it back and be like... I don't want your dirty money. What I want is for you to leave my father alone. You know? Um, yeah. So I wonder if that's going to be a plot point down the line, if somebody's going to like find this envelope full of $100 bills in Archie's possession. Also, but, I'm surprised that when Agent Fake Name showed up, Fred didn't call his ex-wife the lawyer and ask what he should do. It's very true. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if all of this comes to a head because Fred finds the money confronts Archie and Archie says, Oh, that dude, he's not a real FBI agent. He's working for the, you know, uh, which in and of itself would be something that might motivate Fred to run for mayor, Um, which could be an interesting, uh, I assume that what we're going to do is we're going to have Hiram running because Hiram ran for mayor during the Mark Wade run. And, in the I era of Trump, I feel like having a corrupt rich guy as your mayor is just too tempting to pass up. 
Possibly. Especially considering in To Riverdale and Back Again, they compare Hiram Lodge to Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That's um, one of the few parts where I actually laughed in that movie. <laughs> intentionally. Right? Um, yeah. But you know. speaking of Archie and his, well, and his envelope full of money, can we talk for a minute about how bad everybody is at handling evidence in this episode? <laughs> Well, like, like I remember I said, last Betty was like touching everything on the guy when he was in the little. Not only that, she literally returned to the scene of the crime. <laughs> literally returned, like she went back the next day to like make sure the body was still there, or just like, like the whole thing about like pushing the car in the lake. Yeah, like, yeah, God. Although God. I did appreciate and... the whole like. Hitchcock psycho Bates motel reference. I thought that was fun. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I do think that I'm obviously that's going to come up at some point because if nothing else, you're sitting here going, okay, when, and if this guy, if the car is found, if the bot, if the body's discovered, if somebody reports this guy missing, whatever it is, eventually that traffic agent is going to be like, Oh, I remember that car. Like some dude in a weird beanie claimed it was his. Like, Jughead is not inconspicuous. And so, right. I, I kind of feel like that's a thing that's definitely going to play out later. But, I mean, some of it was probably setting up for the future, but some of it was just bad evidence handling. And it's weird, because you remember last year, we, we talked about in episode 11, when they found Jason Blossom's car, how, like, they open it, they found all that evidence, they touched Jughead, everything. No, but they they didn't touch most of it, and they t- and and they took pictures. Remember? Sort of, yeah. I just remember us talking about like, oh shit, they actually did like the right thing, so that when this car disappears, like they can show it to the cops, and they're still, you know, because they took photos, and I like I remember at one point, uh, at one point they reached out to grab the jacket, and I think Jughead grabbed Betty by the hand and said, "Don't." fingerprints or something like that. Uh, well, and, clearly and, this episode had a different writer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or maybe like just they without didn't, Jughead. They didn't even put Jughead. gloves on. I mean, at the very least, when they threw the car in the lake, wouldn't they like leave boot prints? I was thinking that too, yeah. I mean, obviously, the hope is that... And actually, I was kind of hoping just because like the absurdity of it and, and it, it the, would... The car would just stay there? That it would just sit there, and you're just like, "Oh fuck! Well, now what do we do? There's literally no way to get it out of out of the river." Um, uh, but yeah, and of course, the river is this all-consuming entity this season. Uh, right. I have to wonder when they when they drag the river looking for this guy's car if they're going to find Archie's gun. Uh, <laughs> Archie's gun. More Jason Blossom evidence, like everything that just went under there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, something something Black Hood because he was shot right there. But uh, oh, but yeah, God. that's I'm oh God, I'm so I'm so ambivalent about returning to the Black Hood mystery at this point because I feel like the Black Hood was slowing the show down. It doesn't like, sound like they're going to explicitly go back to it. I think it's going to no. be referenced. That's what Roberto said yesterday, I believe, at the Q and A. Something about like it's not going to come back in the way that you think. Hmm. But of course, you know, uh, Betty still has the the mask. 
yeah. It, what what wouldn't surprise me is that at some point they just figure out who the second Black Hood is, and so it doesn't come back in the way that we think because the Black Hood doesn't come back, but like the mystery comes back. Um, you, you know, what would have been funny is if uh, when Betty was going through that guy's phone, she saw a bunch of calls to her number. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, oh, that's who that was. But uh, yeah, that was that was bizarre. That whole, and then oh yeah, I turned the GPS off. Well, guess what, Betty? That's not how this works. Yeah, like, mm. and then yeah, they threw I mean, the phone away. Like, I would have done something. I would have destroyed the phone first. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess sinking into the water will be destroyed anyway, but. It's also very easy to get fingerprints on a phone. Yeah. I guess they'd wash off, but still. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those weird things where you're just like, it's oil, like oil, and so the water and blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the logic of this episode is that they won't have left fingerprints on the car or the phone because they threw them into the river and it's going to wash away. But again, like the fact that Betty like goes back to the scene of the crime, the fact that the car is seen there for two days, the fact that like the, uh, the house smells. Yeah. I mean, again, that doesn't really, that's not anything for me. I mean, the, miss, maybe, the missing rug, maybe it'll play as something, but yeah, I mean, I, the, the, I think that the, the house smells was just a pretense to give Hal a reason to be suspicious. Um, cause I don't think anybody else would like, I don't think anybody else will notice the, the bleach smell will go away in a couple of days. I think by the time this episode's over, you're out of the range of like Sheriff Keller coming in to talk to you and getting suspicious, you know? Yeah. Fair. But, but I do think you're right. I mean, again, the, and I was really annoyed cause I thought like three times about that stupid rug. And then as far as I can tell, FP left it in the grave with the guy. Right. And and so it's just like, wait, this was like this is your chance to do everything right and you still like leave a key piece of evidence down there. Also, can we talk about how much I love the fact that when FP comes and he's like, I'm not gonna let you guys make the same mistakes I did. <laughs> he's ta- he's talking about destroying evidence of a murder. He's not talking about like doing the right thing. Like his his the same mistakes I did is not properly covering up the murder. Like, I just, I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, although I also thought it was interesting. I mean, it kind of, sh- I guess it could have been like a double meaning when he said, we take care of our own. Yeah. You know, I guess maybe he was referring to the fact that uh, Alice used to be a serpent or is Chick his own? Uh I, I think it could be a double meaning. I, my my feeling was that that it was just the fact that they're serpents. You know, I think FP still perceives Alice as being a serpent, even if she's turned her back on the group. And he said as much in like little bits of dialogue here and there throughout. Right. And. But also and, there was the whole issue of uh, Betty possibly being serpent adjacent too. Yeah, well, so, uh, Betty's a serpent. Betty's a serpent ever since she did the striptease. Uh, if you remember, that was the whole thing, was that they, they told her that that's how, like, that was the female equivalent 
of Jughead getting the shit kicked out of him by the mob. Oh, that's not sexist at all. No, not at all. But to be <laughs> fair, it's a small town biker gang. I don't know how how uh, progressive those are. Fair. Uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 it was my understanding that Betty is technically speaking a serpent now. Although the degree to which she gets the rights and responsibilities of serpenthood seems to vary depending on the needs of the, the episode, because obviously there's no expectation for her to come and like do anything as a serpent. Uh, yeah. Speaking of that, by the way, how pissed are the serpents going to be when they find out that they could have had their homes free and clear without the threat of uh, Hiram Lodge seizing their property? And and then Jughead's Jughead, like, I'm going to write about you in my school paper. Exactly. Jughead, Jughead turns it down for the dumbest, most selfish reason. And let me tell you... I've never been more convinced that like a minor plot point from a few weeks ago was set, was set into motion just to set up a print, uh, like a, a, a precedent because What's I think that? that I think that when Tony finds out about that, she's going to be like, you didn't learn your fucking lesson from when you dragged my grandfather into your stupid crusade. You know, this is this is the same thing all over again. This is you being stupid and selfish and wanting to put your like high school newspaper like vigilantism ahead of the needs of the group. And I think that right. it's going to be potentially the breakdown of the relationship between those two people, and potentially the relationship between the Joneses and the Serpents when all of that finally comes out. Because I I, I just can't imagine a scenario where the rest of the serpents are just cool with, oh no, you're, you're going to, you're going to screw over Hiram Lodge. That's better than us having our homes. Yeah. That was a weird scene. Yeah. But, so, you know, Jughead is so. I'm so the weirdest thing for me was the fact that, that FP just rolled with it. He's just like, right. yeah, like F, Jughead says this dumb thing. And I'm just like, clearly your father is going to, chime in here and try to like moderate the damage. And then FP is like, you heard the boy and leaves. And you're like, wait, what? Like, okay. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, you think FP would be like, Jughead, just shut up. Yeah. Um, I will say FP did do one thing that everybody's going to be happy with, which is uh, holding hands with Alice. Yes. Uh, this is... Uh, this is the the ship that I've seen in my uh, in my mentions the most on Twitter this season is the the FP and Alice shippers, and I I, I like these two as a I like these two as a kind of combination of characters more than I like them as a couple because they're so ready to just explode at any moment that I kind of feel like it's cool putting them in the same space. Because anything can happen. But I, I think that in a show where so far the two main ships have been fairly stable and uh, the fans have had very little to freak out about, I feel like FP and Alice is the ship that's bound to just 
crash and burn three or four times before they finally decide to get together in the finale. Um, I mean, Hal is doing her no favors. Yeah. And he's busy with... uh, Penelope. Yes, Penelope. Burn victim. (laughs) Yeah. And again, like, I I totally... I, I actually like them together, and I think that... I do think, like... FP and Alice gives them this great thing of being able to create a designated couple for the show who aren't teenagers. And it's a Romeo and Juliet thing. And it's not like Fred and Hermione, which was always kind of problematic since she was still sort of married. Or was married, for sure. Yeah, well, and I mean, these guys are married, but, you know, they're both cheating. Um, Or, at this point, just Hal is cheating. But, but, the, the larger thing to me is this. Like, even if the show runs five or 10 years, like you're still looking at people who are like 22, 23 by the time the show's over 25, maybe um, if it runs for 10 years. And so runs for 10 years, they're going to be 26, 27 at least. Well, they're all, they were 15 last when the show anyway. And it, yeah. um, point being, I have a really like one of the fundamental problems with Bughead, like, in terms of real world, not in terms of storytelling, because I love the I love them as a couple in the show, but in terms of the real world, you're just like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, ninety nine times out of a hundred, you don't end up permanently with the very first person who tells you they love you. Like, yeah, that's not how the world works. And so, there's a certain point where, because it's a high school show, if your designated couple is high school kids, then no matter what happens to them at the end of the show, it's still kind of like, oh, that's nice. Whereas uh, giving, like, you can you can still have, like, Betty and Jughead and Archie and Veronica end up together at the end of the show, but there's more gravitas to having FP and Alice end up together because these are people who are at a point in their life where it totally makes sense for them to settle down. You know what I mean? And and again, like that's not to say this is like my favorite ship of all time, or that I don't like the other couples together. It's just that the other couples are high school kids, and yeah, there's always going to be that thing of an undercurrent of guys. They're high school kids. Like stuff's just going to happen. That's how this works. It also is kind of boring when you have a couple that you know might start to get together early on in the show's run, then they get married in season six, and you expect them to be married for the rest of the series. We don't want this to happen here. I don't know what other shows I might be talking about. You know, I forgot the part about hijacking, hijacking somebody else's wedding while you're at it. Yeah, that's it. You know, Archie and Veronica will get married and then Betty and Jughead will decide, Hey, we're going to get married too, but we're going to write about it in the school paper first. (laughs) Uh, And Jason's going to be there for some weird reason, because that's what happens at Archie and Ronnie's wedding. It's the alternate universe Nazi Jason. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh Oh CW but yeah, so I do like I do like the, the, the steps that they're taking to putting those two together. I don't think that they are gonna have the smooth transition into couplehood that Archie and Veronica and Jughead and Betty had in season one. I think that it's gonna be ugly. But I do think that of all the couples they're the most likely to be married in the last season of the show. 
it's also kind of weird when you think that if uh, FP and Alice do get together, though, Betty and Jughead will be kind of siblings. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those oddball things. Um, it's actually funny because uh, that was discussed in today's I mean, issue. Uh, that could break them up. No, absolutely, it could. And it, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it did, at least briefly, because obviously the problem that Riverdale has with, with their ships right now is that they didn't do a great job last season of building a compelling argument as to why the Archie-Betty-Veronica love triangle should be a centerpiece of the show. They did a really compelling job of explaining why the two couples who are currently together belong together. And I believe that the audience will be inclined to reject the love triangle unless done incredibly, incredibly well because the existing relationships have been so good. And it's also like, is Archie really worth arguing over? (laughs) Well, there's that too. But, but, you know, but you know what I mean, though. Seriously. Like, well, it's like even when Archie and Betty kissed earlier this year, it still didn't feel like a threat to what is going on with the other yeah. relationships because they have that history. Exactly. exactly. And it's, so it's, it's an interesting thing, and I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how they're going to kind of play it. But I, I, I think that one of the ways that Riverdale has kind of painted itself into a corner is that it did such a great job with these relationships in the first season. And I think part of that might have been because, you know, it's the first season, you don't know for sure that you're going to get more. Right. But but then you, you head into season two, and it's like, if we break up Bughead, the fans will riot. What do we do now? Because we've got a high school show where the ships are already set at the beginning of season two. Uh that it's, well, I it's, mean, still, there's room. I mean, I mean, we brought up the FP and Alice of it all, but also, like, yeah. with... Ultimately, this whole... The shit is going to hit the fan with Hiram, which is probably oh, yeah. going to get Archie excommunicated from the Lodge family, which yeah. might well, cause drama between Veronica and Archie. And even if it doesn't cause drama between Veronica and Archie, there is going to be a reckoning for all of the little white lies that the two have been telling each other all season that are piling up. Like, I, I don't know that at some point, if, if it comes out that, oh, by the way, your parents tested me by sending this fake FBI agent, and, like, I was technically, like, informing on your dad to the FBI for three or four weeks, but don't worry, I didn't tell them anything valuable. Like, I don't know that Veronica would just kind of be cool with that because it was her parents' manipulation. Right. I kind of feel like she would be like, how the fuck didn't you tell me that? And so I, I, I do think that, I mean, Bughead is the harder one because we've seen them go through adversity and come out the other side already. And we know and, that the fans are just fucking rabid. Whereas, and also the two of them are both kind of like outcasts in their own way. I mean, Betty obviously isn't outwardly an outcast, right. but she's definitely as much of a weird weirdo as Chuck. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like, I'm not trashing Buckhead, so right, no, listeners, do not run. Like, I think that's part of what draws them together, is right. they understand there's issues between the two of them. Right. And so I think, and again, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't want 
these two couples to succeed in terms of character and in terms of like what I enjoy about the show. I am saying that given the tropes of like teen shows, high school shows, this kind of TV, it's problematic for them to have done such a compelling job of arguing to the audience that these are the couples that need to be together and then putting them together and then not effectively breaking them up in the first half of the second season. We're now two seasons deep and essentially we've had the same two relationships at the heart of the show since this time last season. And I'm now like, it's getting in my head. I'm looking at it and going, man, at this point, if you break up Jughead and Betty, people will be really, really turned off. Right. And it might, it might be the kind of breach of the audience trust that's almost impossible to repair. And certainly the ship uh, is, the shippers are ardent enough that whoever they end up with next will have a target on them. It's just, I don't know. It's, I think that the show did such a great job of putting Betty and Jughead and Archie and Veronica together in season one that they have hobbled forever the concept of the traditional Archie Comics love triangle. And, well, and- also, I feel like the Archie Comics love triangle is so... It's kind of outdated. Yeah. Like, it's almost sexist to show two girls arguing over the same guy, especially when it's Archie. No, and I, I agree with that completely. But I, Like, I can I'm see it if it was, like, um, Tony Topaz, Betty, and yeah. Jughead. I can see that kind of triangle. Yeah. And, and again, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how this works because I don't think... I, I think that they've kind of written themselves into this corner and it's really hard to know where they go from here that isn't just, okay, you know what? We're going to leave the kids together and we'll play with um, some of the adult relationships for a while. Uh, and then maybe if, you know, three, four seasons in, people start to get bored of the lack of movement on Archie and Ronnie and Be- Betty and Jug. Maybe that's when you can get away with some of that. I don't know. I feel like those love triangles aren't what the show is about right now, though, either. I mean, no, you have again, I, so I, I, much not... shit going on in the town. It's like, I think it would almost be distracting if it was like, oh, do I love Betty or do I love Veronica in the yeah. middle of, oh, I got to find out who shot my dad. Yeah, it would feel like back when he was freaking out about the guitar all the time. And you're like, really, dude? Because there's other shit going on. Um. So before we're done, I think we need to cover that last scene. I mean, obviously we talked about it earlier with all Hermione of it all, mm-hmm. but I, I love that she had to make a scene out of it all. Like, oh, we're going to do it at the cliffs with the water because yeah. we need to be somewhere scenic. Yeah. I thought that was clever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm really interested to see how Archie responds to this. I'm interested to see how Archie communicates it to Veronica uh, because it's, 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 it's a weird position that he's in now where he and Veronica are both ostensibly in on her parents' secrets. But as far as Archie knows, at least Veronica is not in on this latest secret. And if he tells right. her, then 
what does that mean for kind of all involved? And if he tells her and she says she already knew, then how does that potentially damage Archie and Veronica's relationship? Because she hasn't been being honest to him, even when she was making a big deal of being honest to him last week, you know? So it's, this is one of those weird little moments that has a lot of, there's a lot of potential storytelling in it. Right. Well, what I love about it is, I mean, well, I kind of, even though I say I'm happy for the break, I kind of hate that we don't have another episode immediately after to find out what happens next. But I'm thinking about the people who are going to be watching this on Netflix next summer. They're going to get to the end of this episode like, shit, I need to see what happens next. Yeah, exactly. And which is the exact same feeling we had last week, which I think makes for a great show. And it's why, you know, Riverdale is one of the most enjoyable shows that's yeah, on television absolutely. right now. And I think that's kind of why I was like, I'm hoping that they don't go right back to the Black Hood. Because yeah. honestly, I was looking at the show notes for the last three or four podcasts and it's like ever since the Black Hood went away, every podcast or every episode has felt like, holy crap, so much happened. That was so fast paced. It was so crazy. There was so much energy. And it, 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 it's not that I wasn't enjoying big chunks of the Black Hood story, but it felt like the story, like the show didn't have that same kind of sense of kinetic urgency that it did in season one. And now that it's got that back, I'm kind of right. like, awesome. Yes. More of this. Well- well, it's like, you know, you have the Coopers in over their heads. You have yeah. Archie in over his head. You have Veronica over her head. Mm-hmm. Like, it's there's so much going on. I mean, you know, I know Cheryl doesn't know how to deal with the things that her mom is doing. Um, right. Josie, I mean, her identity is going to be thrown completely out of whack now that her mother's not the mayor. Yeah, exactly. Her mother's not the mayor, and she doesn't have the pussycats. I almost feel like Josie is going to be the next, like... Uh, Serial killer. <laughs> well, but the next outcast, like she, uh, what does she do? She doesn't have the band. She doesn't have like everything. Her, everything has been revolving around her mom. I mean, obviously from like outside, we know that she's focusing on her, the release of her EP, because when the musical episode was announced, there was a, a note in the program to the effect that her EP was going to be available on iTunes in April. But, uh-huh. um, so I'm guessing, like, when we see Josie come back, it's going to be very focused on her music. But yeah, it was, it's a weird... And, and again, I kind of wonder how, to what extent, Keller is now going to target the Lodges. Oh! Because you have the sheriff whose girlfriend was just screwed, essentially, by Jughead and Hiram. And, and Sheriff Keller. Well... Differently, different, different. <laughs> uh, but but like even though she's not the mayor anymore, he's still the sheriff, and that is not like I don't think that's going to go unremarked upon. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Um, a couple of last kind of things that I wanted to bring up before we close out, though. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, going back to the, what we were just talking about with with uh, Mayor McCoy, is it just me or is Guess who's coming to dinner as the name of an operation to smear a black woman in bad taste? Like, probably? That, that just felt, like, vaguely racist, because obviously Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is the Sidney Poitier movie from about... Yeah, I didn't think know. about that, but yeah. Um, I just thought, oh, Sheriff Keller's coming to dinner. Yeah, so nah, that, that makes sense. My mind went somewhere different. 
even even there, like the implication could be because it's an interracial affair. But anyway, um, th- that was a, just a minor thought, but it's something that I put in my notes. Uh, one one thing that I did want to say about the the Hermione scene that we we moved on before I could I could say it. Do you think there is a chance Agent Adams still did not work for them? That he is an operative of like a competing crime family and that he's dead now. Like, do you think there's an outside chance that the reason she did this whole production and told Archie that he, that was a test and blah, 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 was because Hiram promised him nobody's going to kill this guy. I, so you're saying nobody's going to kill agent fake name. Well, here, I'm confused. When, when Archie went to Hiram, he said, there's Don't let anything guy. happen to him. There's this guy. It's a problem. You can't kill this guy. And Hiram's like, nobody's going to kill him. Don't worry. I've got this under control. Right. And then the next thing, the next thing we know, we don't see Agent Fake Name again. Right. Just like Papa Poutine again. Just like you didn't see Smithers again. But do we He's know Papa gone. Poutine was really killed? Maybe that was all a test. Uh, he. Oh, they maybe, mentioned finding the they, body. Yeah. They talked about finding the body this episode. So never mind. That, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it could it could obviously have been someone else. I think I don't think anything happened to Agent Fake Name. I think they just like you know he's not on the payroll anymore. He doesn't need to be around. That's kind of what I think. Yeah. But again, I it it opened up because we had talked about the possibility of him working for another crime family and spying on the lodges. And so I mean, maybe he will later. In yeah, in my head, I was just like, huh, it could be interesting to like. We've been saying this whole time he's almost certainly working for the Lodges. And now, as soon as they say, oh, yeah, he was working for us the whole time, my brain just goes, but what if he wasn't? And what if he's dead now because they, you know, and they didn't want to tell Archie or they wanted to reassure Archie that he's not really dead and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it was just a thought. I don't think uh, it would really matter because, I mean, I mean, yes, it would be kind of jarring if Archie were to find out Agent Fake Name was killed. And that would definitely probably turn him against the lodges now that they know what now that he knows what's going on. But I feel like it's inconsequential to the entire like run of the show. I mean, if that makes any right. sense. Like I guess no, yeah, this guy does have information on them, but I don't think it's really relevant in the whole scheme of things. No. And again, like I, I to me I, I don't think it makes much of a difference unless it turns out to be something that comes back. Right. But uh, I just wanted to mention the fact that it it did pop into my head, like, huh, what if he isn't really working for them and they just told him that? Because, again, like, this oh, show... Oh, yeah. I, I, I see what you're talking about now. No, I think Hermione set it all up and... Yeah, I, I will say that, like, when we got our screeners, typically they'll send you the little notes of, like, don't reveal X, Y, and Z. And because, like, that's not meant for publication, and it's just something the reporters see before the show airs, right? Um, it tends to they they don't tend to be, to get cute with the language, yeah. And the language of the do not reveal very much skews to it's exactly what it says in the show, right? It was like do not reveal that the boss, I think that's what they called him, works for Hermione, was exactly what we were told. Uh. That's not how it was on the written version, but you oh. went to the screen and I got the written version. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, our, ours, but ours was, um, 
don't don't say don't reveal the status of mystery guy don't reveal that mystery guy worked for the boss don't reveal who the boss is something like that um and they they refer to agent fake name as mystery guy in the notes apparently um but it, anyway it was just it, it's an interesting thought and i wanted to bring it up but again what what i have in front of me kind of skews towards no really it's what they said on screen yeah. but it was worth mentioning. I mean, in le- um, unless it's Arrow, where they're like, yeah, Adrian Chase is totally the vigilante. We're just sticking yeah. to the comics this time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then the third thing that I wanted to bring up, and, and you and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording, uh, the weird kind of nonverbal acting that Skeet did in that burial scene, I really got the impression that FP knew the drug dealer he was burying. Ooh. Like there was a double take when he like oh when he when, saw his face when he saw his face he like went to wrap him up and then pulled it back looked and he seemed affected by what he saw and then he wraps it back up and finishes I'm I'm almost wondering if there's a lot of misdirect going on right now what if the drug and, dealer is chick's dad that's that's possible. What I was gonna say was what I was gonna say was that I wonder if it's not Hiram, but the death of this drug dealer that ends up precipitating the civil war between the north side and the south side. Um, like I almost wonder if he's somebody important, and and somebody F- from the north side killed him. Exactly. That that uh, makes a lot more sense than the head of a statue. Yeah, and, and the other side of that, too, is I, I briefly, just because, like, it's, it's impossible to get a beat on that dude's age. He looks maybe five, ten years older than, than Chick. Right. I, guess. I had a brief moment of, like, what if that's Chick? What yeah, if, I did, too, if, last week. I was like, I thought... What, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember... Oh, you mean, he, like, the real Chick? Yeah, no, exactly. Like, what if, what if he's the real Chick? <laughs> and... Oh, what, what we eventually find out is that Chick is a con man and Alice killed her own son. That would be really messed up. Yeah, that would be roughly as messed up as the as as finding out that um uh that her uh her daughter was pregnant with her cousin's babies. So <laughs> Well, I mean we did think there was incest going on in season one, so Yeah. I don't know. There's there's a real creepy fixation on Betty in with with Chick. Yes. And I almost feel like and again, like I don't think this is how it will play out, but I do think like there's a there's a vague possibility that like he's not really her brother. He's just like interested in keeping up this charade to see what he can get from her. And uh at a bare minimum, even if that guy wasn't the real Chick, he would have known that and been a potential threat. Right. But also I was thinking the notion that if, if say the guy we know is chick, isn't really chick. Mm -hmm. Could it be that maybe Hal is onto that? Maybe Hal is chick's actual father. And maybe Hal would be really, maybe Hal's creeped out because everybody's all like, Oh, chick's back. And it's like, that kid is not my kid. Yeah. That's that's possible, uh, and again, it would actually play into kind of what they did with Hal last season, where they had him get all aggressive and obnoxious and storm off, 
And then when he showed up again, it was because he'd been like conducting his own side investigation. Yeah. When he's not right, banging I... Penelope Blossom. Exactly. Any final thoughts before we, uh, we wrap up? I think we're good. I think we got everything. Yeah, we covered a lot of stuff. Uh, I do think there's going to be things that, that like Hainer or Michelle are going to be tweeting at us later because obviously it took us all the way up until the last couple of minutes to address a couple of these plot points, uh, like the fact that Papa Poutine's body was discovered. And so I'm like, of course, there's going to be something as soon as we hang up. But, yeah. you know, I, I think we got a pretty good cross-section, especially when there's only two of us. Yeah, so, I thought we did a good job. I don't think we have a lot to edit this week. No, this anything. is going out. This is going out <laughs> just directly off of the rack. Uh, the, we for for those of us who have been listening, uh, Michelle asked us the other day on Twitter whether we were going to do a live episode. We will soon. Um, we tend to do our live episodes when there are no screeners because we kind of by necessity have to do a live episode in order to get it out on time. Right. This week we did have a screener but it came extremely late. And Chris uh, was unable to join us because he had other work to be doing. Right, and was unable to see the show. Uh, right. But yeah, we are, we are recording this. Uh, right now, it is 827 on the East Coast. The show is airing right now. And as soon as we hang up, I'm just going to tack the music on the beginning and end and uh, publish this so that at 9 o'clock when the show's over, we're ready to roll. So, yeah, usually you get at least a little bit of tightening and, and cleaning up and whatever editing that I can do. Uh, this week, it's basically like we're doing a live episode without the benefit of anybody being able to respond to us live because Craig and I are the only ones who saw it. <laughs> yeah. So. so thanks for listening, everybody. Um, you can find me at ksitetv.com, on Twitter at ksitetv, also at Riverdale TV for my Riverdale posts. And Russ? You can find me at comicbook.com. You can find me also at ECV underscore podcast on Twitter for the Emerald City Video Podcast, where I talk about movies with friends of mine who used to work at a video store with me. And you can find me at Russ Burlingame on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, there's other stuff that I do, but you can find it all through through Twitter. The uh, Well, thanks for listening. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Music or whatever they're calling it this week. You can also find our past episodes at archidigest.podbean.com. Uh, or archidigestpodcast.com. Or archidigestpodcast.com. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks with, I don't even remember the next episode's name, but... Chapter 27, The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, look at you. Already. Yeah. So there we go. And uh, the hills and saw the Betty and Jughead throw that car in the water. Is basically exactly what they're telling kind of what I was thinking, yeah. actually. <laughs> or, or, or maybe the hills they're talking about are the cliffs where Archie and, uh, and uh-huh. Miami were having the world's most conspicuous, inconspicuous meeting. Which are not real cliffs, which Julie Pleck told us the other day. <laughs> that seems like a, a, an ideal, uh, an ideal revelation to end on. Thanks everybody yeah. for listening. Our- we will. Definitely be back on February 28th to talk The Hills Have Eyes. Between now and then, we're, we're going to talk with Chris, and we may come back for a special episode or two. It will depend entirely on scheduling. Everything's Archie. Archie's here. Betty's here. Veronica, too. Reggie's here. Hey, Jughead.
Welcome to Archie Dice. Who's doing the intro? Oh, I was going to do it. I think this needs to be in the outtakes at the end. We need Chris around here. Uh, you can do it if you want. All right. Boom. Uh, 